1: Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast, where we all get together and talk, complain about, give our opinions on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Joining me once again is John Sheeran. John, I hope, as I said before we kicked off the show here, I hope that you are having a little bit less stressful of a week than I am. Uh, and, and as if as if the Bengals don't give us enough stress as it is. Uh, everything else in life has kind of been just uh, stockpiling a little bit this week for me, but I'm getting through it my friend, I hope things are better on your end
2: We're, we're, we're just getting through the grind right now um, I know for a fact that my mom does not listen to this podcast, she's not one of our millions of, of listeners a week so like, I'm free to say that we're starting to plan her 60th birthday party, like just this week so we're starting to get that in circulation at the moment Fortunately, my sister is spearheading those efforts, so she's taking a lot of the stress off there. Shout out to my sister, Kelsey. But um, yeah, that, that's about the only thing that's possibly stressing me out right now. Uh, I couldn't be more or less stressed, I guess, from OTAs, unlike a lot of people on Twitter right now.
1: Yeah, this, the sisters are usually pretty good about that, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> my, my sister was pretty good about that, too. She was she was quite the planner, and um, luckily, they, they helped take a lot of that. It's not really not for a lot of guys at least it's not really a guy strength to plan parties and and the details the minutiae, but I hope it's a it's a rager nonetheless that and your mom rings in sixty uh the right way dude,
2: yeah, I told her that anything that needs to be moved or put in the ground or anything i'm I'm all there in terms of decorating um probably got to delegate that to her
1: hey, if you want to fly me out to to d j the the fiesta or something dude i'll uh. I'll, she I'll, was, I'll she sure. was
2: kind of thinking to something like that. She was like <laughs> like, like someone in a chicken costume or like a, like a male stripper. Like, no. Uh, I, I, I don't DJ know I, I
1: can't do I can't do the latter. I can't do that one. I, I, I wouldn't feel right about that. But um, anyway, it's good to, good to have you here, man, uh, talking bangles once again. Before we kind of dive into everything, I want to let everybody know um, we didn't do it last week, but we're going to do it this week once again. We're going to do a, a another standalone listener question show the that will be tomorrow live. Tomorrow being Thursday, so if you're getting this episode on either Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, it'll be tomorrow at two. Tomorrow Thursday, the thirteenth at two p.m. Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific on the West Coast, Best Coast, and uh, we're going to be taking your questions. We've already got some texts. Uh, it's queued up, and um, you know, the things we don't get to in this maybe in this live YouTube chat, you can tweet them at us at bangles.obi. You can email us theobinsider at gmail.com. Um, we'll also have the video and a live comment thread up on sinceyjungle.com so you can leave your questions there. You can also tweet John at John underscore underscore Sharon or myself at CJ Anthony CUI. But try the, try the Orange and or Black Insider stuff accounts first. Um, that's where, we're, where we'll be looking. And we'll take about, you know, 20, 30 minutes, depending on how many questions we get, how many, uh, how many people we have. So join us live if you can. Otherwise, that'll be on all the feeds, which are, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, the megaphone platform. It's also going to be uh, on our YouTube channel for, for video. And then all the stuff will be on cincyjungle.com. So, John, the Bengals now have completed the OTAs and have transitioned into mandatory minicamp. So we are slowly crawling, slowly crawling to uh, to training camp and into the regular season, kind of the dog days of summer here. Luckily there hasn't been too big of a lag in terms of, uh, you no know, news or excitement. Um, it's been a little bit of both yet again as the Bengals kick off mandatory minicamp. And of course where it all centers, pun sort of intended, is on the offensive line. The Cincinnati Bengals used and wisely used their first round pick on Jonah Williams. And lo and behold, it, it would not be a Bengals season, a Bengals off season without their first round pick having some sort of injury issue. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's inevitable. A, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. A, you know, um, a tradition unlike any other, as old Jim Nance would say. Um, the You know, we don't know what it is. They're keeping very mum it's about nice. it. Um, this training staff and this medical staff has not had the most stellar record, uh, track record, when it comes to treating injuries, diagnosing injuries, all of that kind of stuff. So we sit here, John, and I, I guess we'll start with this question for you. We don't know what it is. They're 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 saying, uh, you know, they they... They tried to ask Jonah Williams himself on Wednesday. He wouldn't answer it. All questions are directed to Zach Taylor. Yet he's on the side field, he's out there kind of with the position group, no braces, no crutches, nothing. And it's quote unquote deemed up. What do you make of that?
2: I tell you what, if the Golden State Warriors can completely bumble an injury and misdiagnose a, a potentially torn Achilles and then have and then clear that said player, Kevin Durant, to play on a very bad Achilles to then tear it and rupture it again, how am I supposed to trust the Bengals with an unidentified or or an unknown injury? And, of course, this isn't anything new. We've seen this in the past a lot. It could honestly be anything from, like, both ACLs are torn to just a slight cramp in his hamstring. We have no idea about the severity of this, and I wouldn't be worried that it is going to be a a serious injury because if it probably was, we probably would have heard a little bit more about it. We probably would have seen some sort of visual impairment from Williams and the way he walks and the way he moves around. Apparently he wasn't in any like crutches. He wasn't, didn't have any braces on his legs. We don't even know like where exactly the injury is. It might, I, I thought I heard it was in the leg, but I'm not entirely positive with that, but I'm not It's, it's not an issue until it is an issue, of course. And if it impacts the amount of practice time he has in training camp, if he, you know, if it slows down his development there and, and minimizes the amount of reps that he has, When they are starting going into full contact, then that becomes a problem because last year, you know, Billy Price has talked about the lack of a full offseason in this rookie year. Definitely, you know, prohibit him from being fully effective in this rookie season. And then obviously when he um, had that injury during the season, it it made matters worse for him as well. So, you know, we were lucky to have Williams, you know, go through those those first team reps in the early portions of OTAs. Unfortunately, he's not going to finish out um, mini camp with, with all the rest of those guys. But I mean, the next six weeks just has, to, has to be just him recovering for whatever he's dealing with. And it, I don't really blame Taylor or the rest of the staff for just keeping this on the low and just giving the usual PR, you know, spiel to, you know, whatever, whatever questions are being asked. But I mean, I, I just don't care to, to care about this until it's something that I need to worry about because, you know, there's no football yet. There's not even practices yet. So we're just going to see how this plays out. And and honestly, like it, it, this could benefit some other guys in the offensive line to get more reps than that and c- could uh, give the coaches a better view about, you know, where other pieces may fit better. Because like you said, um, Cordy Glenn moved back to left tackle while Williams was, was out um, for this week. So m- maybe that, you know, changes their minds about where he's going to play long term. So, you know, th- th- this can be turned into a positive. But right now, it's just nothing that we can worry about because we have no idea what it is.
1: I'm, I'm debating which which route to take here in terms of where we go next on this, but I'll say I'll say this. Um, you know, I I guess I'm worried about it because you know you said you don't blame Taylor for being kind of vague. I I'm a little worried about it on that front. Um, you know, it, it's kind of almost like well we haven't had the trainers look at it. And on you know on one hand, it's kind of like well. You know, maybe it's something that they think is potentially serious, and they're letting it rest without surgery and all that kind of stuff, and they're letting it sit, and hopefully, you know, things can, you know, it's a flare up and it kind of goes down, or, um, you know, maybe it's also a sign that because they're not rushing him to trainers, staff, all that kind of under the knife, all that kind of stuff, maybe that's a sign that you know, it's, it's not anything that's super urgent and needs to be taken care of and therefore not that serious. So, you know, I, it just, you would, we've kind of gone from Marvin Lewis is partly cloudy to, uh, you know, dinged up from, from Taylor, you know, the, the vague, the vague thing. I, the thing I don't understand is why being so vague when you don't have a game next week, you're not trying to play this chess match right now. Um, you know, I guess maybe you're kind of setting a precedent as a coach that you're not going to tip your hand throughout the rest of the season or the seasons ahead that you have with this team. Just a weird situation. I, I, I
2: think him just being the first-time head coach and him just taking the cautionary route here kind of makes sense. And uh, there was the thing about that that didn't even, like, test him if was wrong for like a week or so. They kind of found this out a little late because I think he initially heard it during the closed portions of OTA, so obviously no reporters were able to see it when it happened or were able to catch up to it um, soon after it happened. So I, I guess there was that time frame that kind of helped him out with that to keep some sort of secrecy on here, but obviously they couldn't maintain that as soon as reporters got back in there and saw that he was in fact on the sideline and then asked the question for Taylor. So it, like, I'm not going to defend the way that they handle injuries because it's basically indefensible at this point from, from the past 20 years that we've seen. But s- still, I, I just don't feel the need to, to freak out when I don't really have to, and especially from the fact that, you know, it's probably not anything very too serious. And honestly, like, this is, this is more for established veterans and guys who maybe have had some injury issues in the past looking at Utah effort I don't really care how much you practice in, OTA, in OTAs obviously it means a, little, a lot more for a rookie who's expected to start at an important position on the offensive line but at the end of the day just just get healthy for training camp. that, that that's when it starts mattering especially for young right. guys if if you can play a little bit in the preseason and if you if you have you know enough reps in practice to establish some s- sense of chemistry on the on offense line. That's all I really care about. If you if you happen to just have a little bit of a minor injury in, in OTAs and coaches are kind of taking you out, I'm not I'm not going to sweat over it. But yeah, th- there is there is some issues with you know the process of the way that they that they manage this and that they delegate it with the doctors and all that stuff. The, the vagueness is not really worrying me, but just the, their overall process of, of how they manage it that's always up for concern because you just can't rely on them for that.
1: Yeah, yep, that's that's kind of the biggie um the biggie for me uh you know i look at the live youtube chat good friend mike donahue says i read on yahoo sports he was quote occasionally stretching his back um i hadn't had had the chance to to see that yet so you know maybe there's a a back tweak there or something like that um and they're just kind of resting it uh and then this one i guess this is where we'll kind of segue a little bit into from Vape Guy, who I think is our good bud, John from Kentucky. I sure as hell hope we don't go through this with Jonah, what we did with Dre. And for those who know our good friend, John from Kentucky, he hasn't been the biggest Dre Kirkpatrick <laughs> fan, but um, he has a point because, John, my God, you go back years and years, probably, I, I mean, the healthiest class or in terms of first-round picks or high picks that I can remember in recent memory is 2011. You look at 2012, Dre Kirkpatrick missed a lot of time early on in his career, right? And then struggled mm-hmm. to get on the field in, in the other seasons that he was healthier uh, for a first couple of seasons. Tyler Eifert, next year's first-round pick. Only missed one game as a rookie, but I think we know now all of the injury issues he's had throughout his career. Darquez Denard, a couple of injuries his rookie year in 2014, right? Cedric Abuehi. That was a red shirt year, and that was kind of planned on, but red shirt year there. William Jackson missed his entire rookie season. Um, you know, you keep going through the list here. You mentioned Billy Price was a little bit behind because he had missed some time here and there, missed some time in the regular season last year um, as the 2018 first round pick. So, John Ross, 2017, missed time with a bunch of injuries as a rookie. So, I mean, I don't want to sit here and be, you know, negative Nancy here, but you got to call it like you see it. And when you're drafting these guys, granted, it's a a lot of bad luck, but you also kind of create your own luck, whether it's proper scouting, proper medical staff, all of that kind of stuff that goes into selecting these players. You have to be able to rely on these guys, especially early in their careers.
2: Yeah, and that's completely fair because you know, going through that list, a boy, he Ross and price had known issues going into the NFL and they took the chance on them regardless because, you know, Ross got injured during the combine. So did price Uh, price was the pectoral. Ross was like the labrum shoulder boy. It was obviously the ACL that he injured uh, the previous season in college. And they all, you know, like, like, like you said, they didn't expect a boy to play, but like that pick was like a very defining pick for the turn of the franchise and how he was supposed to be the, you know, the, replacement long-term for Andrew Whitworth, you know, and for him to miss the whole rookie season and then put him dev- behind even further behind in the long path development path that he had to take as a player that obviously, you know, derailed his career to, to a certain extent. And, you know, the other guys, there was, uh, it was just a little bit more of just injury luck and just how, you know, unfortunate circumstances are just the kind of the style that they play at. I, I think when you look at the, that list though, and what kind of impacted them the most, I, th- I think Ross stands out to me a little bit and and obviously injuries wasn't the only issue with his rookie season because there was a lack of trust, obviously from Lewis and the coaching staff and, you know, confidence issues stemmed from that. But, uh, you know, w- with him being out early in the, in that offseason um program and, and then suffering an injury in the preseason that forced him to miss miss week one, that kind of thing just made things worse from that standpoint. And then I think, in turn, stemmed further confidence issues down the road because the less he was on the field, the less he, that he was getting those reps. The le- the more further he was behind in terms of getting acclimated in the offense. And I remember when he was drafted, you know, I was thinking that his skill set was perfect for what that offense lacked because they had Brandon LaFell, they had Tyler Boyd alongside Ajiging, but they didn't have anybody that could stretch the defense. So for him to have an immediate impact was so important, so vital to getting that offense back on track because the offensive line was still okay. Decent. Unfortunately, it, it didn't end up being decent in 2017, but th- that wasn't where where my main issues were, were focusing on the, on the offensive side of the ball and for Ross to just lay a complete egg in his rookie season, primarily because of some injury concerns. I think that impacted them a lot. Um, I, I, I considered price with this, but with how well or just relatively well Trey Hopkins played in his place, it kind of, you know, it it, it softens the blow for that injury as well. And with the way he obviously, you know, he wasn't expected to start. So I think Ross just kind of stands out to me just for those specific circumstances and his potential impact for what he could do do on the offense and the impact that he had. It's just a vast difference that unfortunately the offense couldn't couldn't overcome, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, he's still playing catch-up. You know who sticks out to me for the exact opposite reason who was a first-round pick in this regard and in that time frame? It's Kevin Zeitler. Ooh. Kevin, Ze- Kevin Zeitler hit, missed uh, – in 2013 and 2014, he missed four games each um, but started 16 games as a rookie – 12 games, excuse me, started 11 games, played in 12 in in 2013, started and played in 12 in 2014 with the Bengals, 16 and 16 games a pop in 2015 and 2016. By the way, that doesn't include playoff uh, games. He did start those as well. Um, And then lo and behold, with the Browns, he started and played in 16 games each there. So the one durable guy you basically have as a first round pick, you let go. And here we are talking about the offensive line where guys like Abwehi, Billy Price, Jonah Williams have been brought in to rebuild and they can't get on the field. So... But um, but I do think that...
2: I think they are. They do have a sense of self-awareness of what has happened in the past, and now they're seeing the situation, this situation with Jonah Williams and thinking, okay, we don't want to have these past mistakes kind of repeated because the great thing about Williams is that just in three years, he had 44 starts. Like, health was never an issue with him. He was always durable. He was always um, counted upon in Alabama. So now that he has some sort of injury issue, I, I don't mind the fact that they're not necessarily rushing him back and they're not really stressing that in, in terms of getting him on the field. So... I do like that they are showing some signs of competency and just kind of easing guys back from injury because, you know, it, it kills. And the, the, the lack of success from their first round picks in, if, in terms of, you know, a first year impact has been one of the main detriments of this team. So I, I think, you know, we have to give them credit for that, for just handling this situation and. You know, um, an opposite way of how they've handled it in the past. Even if it's like if it's like a logical thing, it's the smallest thing to do. I still think they, they kind of deserve credit from that. I
1: guess. Yeah, we may be making a mountain out of a molehill here, right? I mean, Jonah Jonah mm-hmm. Williams could come back, and it's it's purely precautionary. We don't know yet. Like we've said, there's no braces, there's no casts, there's no crutches, anything like that. So um you know it could be just hey let's get him some rest uh this is going to be a valuable guy throughout the year ironically too jonah williams is a very durable guy in college too um so uh, you know uh, just a little bit snake bit there i guess um transitioning to a little bit more positive news john uh the Bengals signed veteran offensive lineman john jerry they did release um uh, rod taylor their seventh round pick from last year uh, Taylor was a guy who also was injured in, for his rookie year, um, but, you know, had showed a little promise, but um, with an acquisition like that, you understand the move. Um, you wrote a piece on Cincy Jungle a little bit about Jerry's connection to um, the Bengals offensive line coach and Jim Turner and, um, you know, your, your thoughts on him in terms of fit, need, especially with Jonah Hill or Jonah Hill. Uh, that's, a, that's an after. <laughs> Jonah Williams, um, Jonah Williams, uh, Jonah Hill in the offensive line. That'd be funny. Jonah Williams and, uh, Clint Bowling still on the sideline. Um, you know, your thoughts on them bringing John Jerry in. And then obviously with that, they're kind of moving things around, getting some different looks.
2: Yeah. So Jerry, um, just looking at just a little bit of a film from the past and his PFF grades, He's had a more solid career than I expected. Um, A former third-round pick out of Ole Miss. Um, Wasn't drafted by um, the staff with Taylor and Turner, but played his last two years in Miami with Taylor and Turner. And those offensive line units were infamous for being garbage in terms of protecting Ryan Tannehill, but he was actually a a decent player with them. Unfortunately for him, he only got a one-year contract out of Miami because – of his uh, involvement in Bowling Gate. We're not going to get too far into that, but basically he was one of the main perpetrators alongside with uh, Richie Uncognito. He was basically like, you know, his main henchman alongside Mike, Pou- Mike Pouncey, but that we're not really going to get into all that. He went to New York, played uh, four seasons there, essentially earned his way to a three-year contract in the 2017 off, off season. But that contract was restructured after a disappointing 2017. Basically, he had a career a career year in 2016 with that offensive line, earned an extension, fell off the map a little bit in 2017, was eventually cut and replaced by 2018 draft pick Will Hernandez. So he's now 33 years old. I think he's like the oldest Bengal who's not a special teamer. And when I say that, I mean Kevin Huber and Clark Harris. So he's the oldest player on the offense and defense. We still don't have terms on the contract, but I can't imagine it's anything more than just that minimum for one year. So this guy could either be making the roster as, as a as a rotational backup or he could, he could be cut in, like, the second week of training camp. It could be anything in between there. But he was a career right guard at, with Miami in his first couple of years in New York, and then I think injuries uh, forced him to move to left guard to finish out 2017. And, you know, again, he wasn't really impressive in 2017, and his best years were probably um, the, the last years – Miami under Jim Turner, and then his first couple years in New York, so you you got a guy who's been relatively just average throughout his career, but his be- best days are definitely behind him, and in, in terms of who else they have at that guard position, I, I don't think he's better than, obviously, Bowling. I, I would take John Miller's youth over him, and definitely take um, starting Chris, Christian Westerman over him, so you're looking at a backup here, and I think it's important to, to, distinct, to make the distinction that this move was in reactionary to the fact that T- Rod Taylor was not recovering from his torn ACL in time, so they needed another body there to basically bolster that depth, and not and, and the move was not made because of of, of Clint Bowling's injury or uh, Jonah Williams' injury, and the fact that they needed a, a guard body in case they needed to move Cordy Glenn back to left tackle. So I think that was a key distinction that, that they made, and the fact that this guy is just here to to, to just be a, a body at the position. And if it turns into anything more, great, but I'm just not really because his best days are definitely behind him.
1: So you got Clint Bowling. You have Justin Evans. You have John Jerry. You have Michael Jordan, John Miller, Alex Redmond, Christian Westerman, and Trey Hopkins, all as guards or Hopkins' as guard center. Uh, He's basically a center at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of interior alignment. Then you have uh, also have Billy, Billy Price and uh, Brad Lundblade. Uh, as as true centers on the roster so um that, that's a log jam uh and you know like you said uh, jerry's a guy who's been kind of serviceable uh, he's been okay at times above average at others and maybe even a little bit below average at other times um seems as if he's a little bit better pass blocker i think again in pro football focused metrics that I, I think i saw that mm-hmm. um, so You know, it makes sense on a lot of different fronts, familiarity from, you know, the offensive line coach standpoint and, and all of that, I I guess, how do you feel about this switch up of, of everything and and the, the, the shuffling around, obviously it's needed without Bowling and Williams, but um, I mean, one part of me says, this is a mess. Right, there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still they're still kind of adding guys after the fact. Guys that are thirty three weren't in the league last year, and and could be looking at a rotational spot, a starting spot, a you know whatever. And, and you know they have to they've moved Cordy Glenn back and forth. Now the one guy that we're all uncertain about, Bobby Hart, is the only guy who has not had his position be shuffled around in terms of starting uh, alignments. On the other hand. We need to figure out who the best five guys are. So where do you stand on this? Yeah, I think it's
2: the the shuffling is only a problem if there's just no clear solution. Because I think I can say with some sense of confidence that they're gonna do basically everything they can to find the best five five people as a unit, not necessarily the best five blockers, because I don't think that any team Aligns itself with the best five individual blockers. I think they just try to find the best five guys that kind of fit together and all work together. Because if we're if we're trying to find the best five blockers, I think a couple of guys that are on the bench right now would probably be starting. But that's that's neither here or there. So uh, uh, unless you know th- they're unable to find that, I, I think the shuffling is fine for now. Obviously, once tra- you get into the deep part of training camp, you need to find just a group to to establish some cohesion and chemistry. But like you said, there's. Like nine or ten guards, or maybe even more than that, there's not a lot of tackles on this roster. And even the ones like half the tackles have like never played an offensive snap. Half of them are undrafted free agents. One of them is Ken Perkins, who has, I believe, six snaps to his name. So that's very alarming to me. And one of the tackles that does have starting experience is, is Bobby Hart. So there's that. So like the whole, the whole situation with moving Glenn inside creates minimal depth there. And that's honestly why I'm still holding out for a Trey Hopkins extension because while he is like their best backup interior guy, aside from Christian Westerman, he also has tackle experience. He might be like their, thir- their third best tackle on the roster, and that's including Cordy Glenn and Jonah Williams. He might be better than, than, than Bobby Hart because he has minimal experience there, but that the minimal experience is a lot better than than, than the larger sample that we've seen from Hart. So I think Hopkins's value on this team is extremely underrated, and the fact that he's only under contract for one more year is a little concerning to me because aside from Williams, they didn't in- invest smartly or wisely or enough at the tackle position and i'm very interested about who's going to be that third guy because if they do eventually list glenn as a guard and have him starting at the left guard are they only going to carry three are they only going to they're not going to only going to carry two so who's going to be that third guy are they really counting on hopkins being the backup tackle along with being the backup center how sustainable is that because if it isn't and and you want to keep hopkins inside you're going gonna, you're gonna to either keep like O'Shea Dugas or Keaton Sutherland or Justin Smith even. So you're going to have – your your backup swing tackle is going to be someone that probably can't be relied on if he has to come in for an injured Jonah Williams. And if that's the case, maybe they'd move Glenn outside to one of the tackle spots if someone gets injured, and then you have a whole a whole another layer of shuffling there. So the tackle depth is definitely my biggest area of concern, but not necessarily about the shuffling right now because I think – I think there's going to be less commitment to certain favorites that we've seen in years past. And there's going to be a more con- consolidated effort to get the best five out there, the, to, just to get the best unit out there. But just, just the overall depth of tackle position is, is where my main concern is, especially with the starters, the projected starters that are going to be out there because that, that, that leads to a, prec- a precarious situation if injuries inevitably occur.
1: Yeah. There's, so there's two things that make me say, okay, let's, let's, Let's calm down a little bit. One you touched on quite well is that it's, it's early. It's early. Um, if this was August, uh, you know, right. Or, or right smack in the middle of training camp or something like that. I'd be, I'd be more worried. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer that they would have things more settled, have guys back, important guys back healthy. So I, I, on that front, um I think we can kind of say, okay, we don't even know what's going on with Jonah Williams and how severe or not severe it is. So let's take a step back there from that standpoint. The other thing, I am with you on the ta- the lack of tackles or the lack of depth there. I'll say this though, a lot of these guys, these interior linemen guys are guys that are versatile. If they do keep Clint Bowling, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but there's more and more writing on the wall, I guess, as to... That may or may not happen. Um, Clint Bowling has taken snaps at tackle in the NFL and has played at a capable level at that position. He's a good guard. Uh, John Jerry, you mentioned, played both guard positions. Michael Jordan played both guard and center in college. Um, you know, Trey, Trey Hopkins, again, guard guard, center, but also uh, a little bit of tackle versatility. You look down at the the few tackles they do have. Keaton Sutherland played tackle and guard in college uh you know jonah williams probably could play a, a, if you ask him to a couple of different spots on the line um you know cordy glenn they're met they're messing around with him so uh there's versatility um and i think they're probably trying to test how far they can take that versatility of some of these players and some of the more important players on the line so um i, I don't necessarily mind that but i'm gonna mind it in two months yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess is, is where I'm going with that. I don't know and if we you can't, have any additional we can't
2: exactly blame them for shuffling now because they're only shuffling because of Jonah's injury. And if Jonah is not yeah. injured, I'm assuming he's just out there and it's the same five. And I think that's the five that they plan on doing. And once everyone's healthy, yeah, like our whole gripe is when 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 things go bad, not if things go bad, when things go bad, because this is the Bengals we're talking about. What is their contingency plan? What is their response going to be? How are things going to be reshuffled? What is the depth going to be like? It's going to be important about who, you know, takes those, you know, three or four final spots on the on the line and just kind of save this group from collapsing on itself because that's what we've seen the past three years.
1: Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully the, the injuries um, to bowling and Jonah. Bowling hasn't really fully been made totally clear as to what's going on there either um you know I think it's a I think we've heard shoulder maybe um so uh you know they're being real mysterious about it and um you know hey like I said those are the two two or at least two of the three most talented offensive linemen you would say right now on this on this current group um, so if they've got something going on, make sure they, they heal up when they play, when they're ready to play and when it's important. So, um, you know, I guess it's understandable from that point, just a little frustrating, not knowing what's going on and, and getting the full picture. This is the orange and or black insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenzo. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google play. You can get it on the Megaphone platform as well as YouTube and Cincy Jungle. We will be having, on Thursday of this week, we will be having a uh, listener question standalone show. We hope you can join us live, even though it might be in the middle of your workday. You can uh, still join us. Uh, you know, Go on the Cincy Jungle comment thread. Leave a comment if you're in front of a computer or on your phone, tablet, anything like that. You can also call or text us 949-542-6241 starting at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. We'll be taking those calls and texts. You can hit us up on Twitter at BengalsOBI or via email theobinsider at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you Thursday afternoon for your questions on the live broadcast that uh, we'll be bringing you then. John, I guess if we want to kind of continue at least a little bit more good news, um, A.J. Green came back to practice, and uh, by some clips that we saw, granted, they were limited, but he looks good. He's exploding out of of cuts. He's doing a lot of things. Full work for what is, quote-unquote, full work this time of year. Um, But he looks good. Uh, You know, I I think anytime you have a guy like that back, it means – good things for the team uh i don't know if you have any brief thoughts about him returning but i do have a, an overarching question um that i want to ask unless you want to talk about green coming back uh to practice a little bit
2: yeah i'm i mean if, if he's practicing that's obviously good um it, because well did he have a surgery in december i, I want to say like it was, it was, it was like, late yeah it was like late. yeah because they, they try to see if he can come back and obviously that that it's just a whole nother dilemma with the Bengals and that. So yeah, he got, he got injured in like October and then, yeah, then he, then he like came back in like late November. Then he got re-injured again. Like, okay, let's just shut this guy down. So yeah, it's good. It's very good. I, I remember it was like him and Andy were still like late in the rehab process. in like April when they, when they first started those, those, those activities, because they, they got a new head coach. So it's good. It's good to see him, you know, getting fully integrated into new offense and, you know, obviously, I, I, again, I don't really care if he practices in OTAs. I don't really think he needs to even under new offense because he's just he, – it's, it's just hard to mess up a guy that talented, basically. It's, were, hard, it's, hard, were you surprised? it's hard to not – am I surprised at what?
1: Were you surprised that he came back that soon? I thought it was kind of quick. Yeah, like – I mean, it's not a knee, but it, – it, It's just one of those things
2: that just lingers, right? Like, it, it's just yeah. kind of like a – like, like it could be something with Jonah that has to deal if, – if it actually is a back injury. Like, I've never – Fortunately, he experienced a toe injury but you know this is you, you would think that it's just not that that literal big of an issue but it's just something that would take a long time to for just to be comfortable again and you know his game is so predicated on just making those tight cuts and getting separation at the line putting a lot of pressure on, on you know on that part of, of your body and just if it's not a hundred percent then he can't you know fully move and get back to that play speed that, that he was at. So for him to be back at this point, it, it's a testament of the condition that he's in and just the, just the kind of player that he is and just the kind of athlete that he is. And it's just, it's just another, another level of freakness that we just have to appreciate.
1: Yeah. I, what I want to ask, you know, is your opinion on since he's back now, before he went out of the lineup last year, he was tearing it up. And the Bengals were too. Uh, I mean, it's not a coincidence that they were playing very well when he was at healthy, and he was playing individually at a high level. Um, I mean, you go back and you look at that Ravens game; he was insane that game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he was, I think, thirty at the time. I think he's going to be thirty-one this during this season. Um, I, I guess you look. You can look at it one of two ways. You know, freak injury and was dominating beginning of last year, or a 30-year-old wide receiver, the inevitable is starting to come. You know, uh, it, 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 we might see a, a slowdown. There are a lot of different factors. I mean, the question I'm asking is, should, are we going to get the same old A.J. we've come to know and expect when he's healthy, you know, 12 to 1,400 yards, 80 to 90 catches, 7 to 10 touchdowns, no matter what, he's automatic. He's automatic do you see him putting up even better numbers under this new Zach Taylor system, or are you, are you expecting a decline, whether a sharp, a steep one or a a, a small one Um, being that, you know, he's kind of getting up there in age coming off an injury um, a couple of, couple of seasons in the last few he's had to, he's had to end on IR.
2: Right. So I think, in in the worst variations of the Bengals' offenses in the past eight years, AJ has still produced at a high level. So I think with just the player that that talented, it it, it works for basically any position. Like I remember um, when Wade Phillips took over the Rams' defense, and people were concerned about Aaron Donald transitioning to you know a quote unquote three four system. Like how is he going to be when he's two gapping? Like like you don't you don't two gap Aaron Donald. He, he, a, a guy who is as a guy who is as smart as Wade Phillips is going to put his best players in a position to, to succeed. And I have no doubt that you can make a similar argument with AJ Green. It doesn't really matter what system that he's in. He's going to produce, you know, m- amongst the best uh, of NFL receivers. And I think if we were to see an uptick in production, it would be because the change in scheme is helping Andy Dalton more than it's helping AJ Green, because, uh, you know, th- you can make a, a sound argument that, you know, the Bengals offense has done a minimal job of creating easy yards and creating easy separation for A.J. Green. He's had to work a lot harder to, to you know get open opportunities for a quarterback that doesn't really like to throw into tight coverages. So the fact that he's been able to produce under these relatively unfair circumstances compared to other elite wide receivers in the NFL is all the more impressive. So I think we can always count on A.J. Green to, to produce at a high level as long as he stays healthy. My, my only concern with him at this point is just – it's just if he can play 12 to 14 games a year, because two of the last three seasons, he, you know, unfortunately he's been, he's been finishing the season hurt. He hasn't been able to complete full, full seasons. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a testament of him, you know, getting older. I think it's just mainly been bad luck because injuries aren't necessarily, you know, a, a stable thing to count on unless it's something that has been always happening in this career. And that's certainly not been the case with AJ because this first five years he was, you know, had a clean bill of health and played, I think 80 games this first in his first five or six years. So, uh, the, when naturally when you get older, obviously your body starts to tear down a little bit, but I think he's just kind of that freak, like his, his body type and his lean and his muscle tone, like everything about him as as a physical athlete is very rare, even for the wide receiver position. And he's not Julio Jones, obviously, and he doesn't necessarily win off freak athleticism, but he's, he, he's just a type of athlete that is like the way that he maintains in, in shape during the season and in the off season it's it's unparalleled, especially compared to other players on the Bengals. So I don't have any doubts that he's keeping his body in in tip top shape f- for the season. So I think any injuries that he you know possibly sustains or uh, unfortunately undergoes is is either bad luck or him just naturally getting older. So that's my only real concern with him at this point is if he can finish seasons towards the end of the year, and maybe that could be attributed to maybe more gentle usage and. Implementing other guys into the offense where he doesn't necessarily have to carry the load, but I just think he's a guy that, as long as he is healthy, no matter what schemey, no matter what scheme is around him, and you know, even if he has an average quarterback, he's going to produce at a high level, and you can count on that production week in and week out. It's just a matter of him staying healthy, which I think I think at this point, you know, he's he's due for that that comeback for in terms of health because you know you know injuries are, are such a regression type thing. So I'm optimistic and especially because you know if the if this offense is really supposed to elevate andy then naturally it will elevate aj too which is only good news and hopefully he produces at a level that gets him back into that conversation into that elite top five conversation whatever you want to have
1: yeah if, if you're you know if, if it's basically new and improved aj same aj in terms of statistical out, output or a declining aj i'm going to go with kind of industry standard aj um and the reason I say that is, uh, I, I don't, I don't see a decline. I do see a guy that could come back with a, you know, his hair on fire and and lighting it up. Uh, we could have seen the best statistical season from AJ Green last year had he stayed healthy the entire sixteen games. I mean, he was on a pace that was just ridiculous for a little while there. Um, so I, I mean, he was upset a couple of years ago when his season ended and he didn't get. He didn't continue his streak of a 1,000-yard seasons. Obviously, this, this injury bothered him, too, on a number of different levels. So I can see a guy coming back very motivated. He's in a contract year. Uh, so if for some reason they do not get an, uh, a contract done this summer, which the Bengals typically like to do, and A.J. Green, by the way, recently said that he wants to stay in Cincinnati, I, you know, if for some reason that doesn't happen, then, you know, he could come out really with a chip on his shoulder and, and wanting to prove everybody wrong and, and win that next contract. But I think just, I think the system will spread the ball around a little bit more. Um, I think some, I think there's been some trust now gained with a Tyler Boyd who stepped up nicely last year, potentially even with John Ross who, who showed a little bit more last year may have even higher confidence this year. Tyler Eifert, if he's back and playing any kind of substantial amount of games, <laughs> um, you know, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of passes to be distributed. So I think while AJ green probably could, if he's healthy, could put up bigger numbers. The reason I'm going to say kind of same old AJ green in terms of stat production is, is kind of the other weapons, the commitment to the run, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. And, uh, that's definitely fair. Um, I just think that with I, your your point about like not elite production, like I'm looking at just like the, the, the two seasons where AJ missed like six or seven games. I, I, the first time was 2016. And I, if I remember correctly, he was like just shy of a thousand yards that season and he right. missed like six games. So his pace was like almost or, or a little bit over a hundred yards a game. And had he right. played like the whole season, he could have eclipsed 14 yards. And I think, it was similar to to last season and e- even then like that was when Tyler Boyd started picking up like like his pace as well so if we want to just take the like the the direct comparison to what this offense could look like under Rams approach he's probably not eclipsing like 1300 yards He's probably going to stay in that 1200 yard range 80 80 catches on like 120 targets and that's assuming that he stays healthy and everyone else stay around him stays healthy but you know aside from Tyler Boyd if i were to bet on the guy that you know plays the most and gets you know, the most consistent targets per game, I would always bet on AJ, right? Like I wouldn't bet on Tyler Eifert staying healthy. I wouldn't bet this point right. on John Ross staying healthy until I see it happen. So with AJ, like you know, we we can we can get into like a fantasy argument, but but he's like the staple like guy that you can count on for production in this offense. Aside, you know, in the passing game, obviously you 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 would assume that Joe Mixon would get more than his fair share. So I I again I don't see I don't I don't see him slowing down until he does. And I think Another point, I, I'm going to kind of disagree with you here on just the contract. I first of all, I think we both agree that he's going to get that contract and that the Bengals are going to do everything in their power to get him signed before they play Seattle in Week One. But even if it does, even if he doesn't, I, I'm not going to say that he he wouldn't get motivated. But I I think he would get the same effort, the same motivation factor if he is signed and if he isn't signed, I just think that he's just that kind of rare breed that 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 certain thing doesn't really get having financial security and having that contract wouldn't minimize his overall ability and his overall effort. I just think that he's just kind of different in that way. And and it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't, doesn't mean that players who kind of slack off after getting some financial security are necessarily bad. It's just, I don't think that's the kind of player that AJ is. And even if he does get that contract, I think you're, I think you're going to still see him, you know, give 110% or any other cliche you want to, you want to, you want to throw out there. So, I think that's just something you can count on with AJ and, and that's just the overall point with AJ that you can, you can count on him. Even if injuries do happen, you know, you know, a, a once every two years and they're usually free incidences. you can just rely on AJ to, to go into their in and week, week out and just be a, a productive factor. And That's definitely something that Dalton has life on in, in, over the past eight years.
1: Well, it sounds, yeah. And the Bengals typically like to get these extensions done the summer prior to a, a star of theirs or a valued member of theirs hitting the, the free agent market. So, uh, you know, the, the hope is that they both, and the fact that they didn't go hog wild in free agency yet again, the hope is that a guy like AJ, who, as I mentioned, just recently expressed the desire to remain in Cincinnati really for the rest of his career, the hope and the desire is that. They will. the Bengals will take care of A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd this offseason to keep that offense intact and, and hopefully continue to give Zach Taylor uh, weapons going forward. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Kazenza. You can get this program on a number of different platforms, uh, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on the Megaphone platform. You can get it on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. That's where all of our content is. So get it there when you can. And as I mentioned, we're going to be having a standalone listener question show on Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern. So tune in, get in touch with us on a number of different social media platforms. And uh, we love to hear from you. We want you to, we want you to be part of the program. We want you to be um, submitting questions. Uh, we, I, I personally, John, I, I liked the last standalone um, thing. I thought it was pretty it was cool. fun. It
2: was, it was yeah. a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. We, we actually had so many, I mean, I shouldn't say actually, because the engagement level of listeners and fans of, of the Bengals are, is very high, but uh, we had, to, we had too many to care. Hopefully we have that same problem uh, this week as well. So please join us.
2: So The A.J. Green discourse online is definitely fun because debating receivers is just a nauseating practice. The (laughs) Vontas discourse, on the other hand, can get a little annoying in the head, and that's definitely a concussion joke for Perfect. But (laughs) Perfect, I guess, is kind of in the news this week as uh, the NFL announced that the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, will be getting hard knocks for training camp this year which you couldn't really pick a better one. I remember in the senior bowl talking, like if, if there's any obvious candidate for hard knocks, it has to be the Raiders. And the, the primary reason is John Gruden, obviously, because you, you, you have a head coach who was on Monday night football. You have a GM who was on NFL network. So both those guys are used to the limelight, used to being in, talking in front of camera. So that dynamic of how much that they're going to be on camera is going to be interesting. But with the announcement, of the Raiders Burfick's name was kind of in this group of, characters that everybody's looking forward to see um behind the scenes whatnot so he was grouped with antonio brown richie incognito um believe there oh might God. be another one that i another one of the missing but yeah perfect was included with all the with, with those three guys and honestly like the the one thing in common that they all have is probably cte and that's about it because you look at you look at you just look at that group and there's obviously gripes with Burfic and you and I definitely have our fair share with that. But perfect is not, I, I, I think there's going to be a level of disappointment with the general viewers, the general football fans who also happen to have an HBO description about what they're expecting with perfect because his troubles obviously have always been on the field and kind of losing his control when it actually matters. But as a practice player or just as a locker room guy, he's not on the incognito levels. He's not on the Antonio Brown levels and may, m- maybe the interactions between, you know, his new teammates and those two in specific might be a little interesting, but I, I honestly, like I'm more intrigued about the potential friendship that he could start with Antonio, Antonio Brown, because I remember there, there was something on Twitter about he, him, like reaching out, reaching out to him as soon as he was traded there. And you know how this was going to like start like a whole new, a whole new leaf for both of them. But I'm I'm more intrigued about Perfect proving the misconceptions about him as just a as just a person off the field wrong more than I am about him potentially starting the fight with Antonio Brown. That's just me.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I actually think, to be honest with you, I think he's going to be not as kind of kind of what you said. I don't think he's going to be as entertaining as a lot of people think. Um, yeah, I, I think I think. He'll the sound bites and the things you'll get from him as he's practicing on the field and in preseason games. I think that'll be crazy. But <laughs> I think, in terms of actual like walking around the locker room and exposure to the media and things, I, I, I said this before we took the air. I, I actually kind of liken it to when James Harrison came to the Bengals a few years ago and the Bengals were on hard knocks. Do you remember James Harrison as? Yeah. as the cameras were walking in locker rooms he'd like turn around and turn his back to the cameras he'd he'd he would close put the door up a finger too clear up he'd close the door put up a finger I, and you know to me and and seeing how perfect treats and has treated certain media members um he he arbitrarily blocks a lot of media members uh by the way Vontez, if if you ever want to unblock me man go for it um so he I you know he doesn't really interact a a ton on social media so I I mean I I think the on-field stuff you'll see on on in practices on preseason games I think you'll see you'll see kind of the wild man they'll probably mic him up I would think but Um, in terms of kind of the everyday stuff, you see guys walking around the locker room. I don't expect a super
0: larger than life character.
1: Um, I think Antonio Brown, you'll get a lot of that stuff. That guy loves attention, loves social media. So I think you'll get a lot of that. There's some other guys on here that, you know, that seem to be kind of, uh, should be characters. I think Max Williams, the tight end, he's kind of an interesting cat from what I understand. Um, You know, you've got Derek Carr, who's in an interesting year. I don't know that his personality is super outgoing, but I think that that's an interesting guy. Uh, You mentioned Incognito, which is, oh, God. Um, You know, there's kind of a lot of bigger. Sort of be, they also had Lamarcus Joyner, uh, pretty, pretty good defensive back that they added this year. So, I mean, there's some guys on there that that could maybe carry the show from a character standpoint or you know, an entertainment standpoint. I just don't know if perfect's one of them, um, at least as a as a whole picture.
2: The, the, the two factors of perfect are the, the first one, obviously, is that everyone remembers you know, the, the hit that he had on Antonio Brown. I think that's where people are guesstimating the animosity is going to stem from but as far as far as we could tell um obvious perfect was a extreme he's just he's perfect is a loyal person and you know he's gonna have his back for his teammates no matter what team he's on so the fact that they're both teammates now i, I don't think you're gonna see any you know reserved or, or or brought up animosity or, or bad or bad blood between the between the two of them. I can't speak for Antonio because we you know uh, we haven't been following the Steelers and we haven't been following how you know they interact in practice. We've only s- basically seen you know the the the, the impact of the of the, at least the the past couple of years and specifically just this last year. So you know we don't know how he's going to going to adjust to a new environment and we don't know how he's he personally is going to adjust playing with Burfict now and practicing against him every day. But from Burfick's side, I don't think there's going to be any of any of that reserved, um, you know, hatred and, and you know re- re- resentment from from them because, you know, j- j- just from that j- just from that point, I think this is a, new, a fresh start for Berfik and the chance to revitalize his career. Even though you know the the health issues need to be taken a lot more a lot more seriously than than they are. And also another thing, like Gruden Gruden is obviously an offensive coach, and he's probably going to delegate if he hasn't already most of the like Paul Gunther, who was you know defense coordinator and linebacker's coach, he's now his defense coordinator again. He's gonna have full control over that defense. But the relationship between Burfict and Gruden is something that I kind of want to see, you know, on, on camera because obviously Burfict had the full on unple- you know, pledged support of Marvin Lewis, who was basically like acting like a father figure here when he was in Cincinnati. And that the that the, the, the dichotomy between you know his relationship with, with Lewis and his relationship with Gruden is something that I definitely want to compare and, and see how that actually unfolds on camera. But other than that, like I, again, there's there's plenty of other you know teammates of, of Perfect that I think will be more intriguing to watch. And obviously, with hard knocks, there's always that one guy that we just have no idea who his name is before, and then everybody knows his name after. You know, with the Texans, it was Charles James, with the Browns, it was. that one tight end like love rocks i only remember his name now but there's always that one guy that you don't know and i don't think it's obviously everybody knows perfect so i think they're gonna make some some type of effort to kind of publicize it but after the first couple weeks that i i think he's going to be a a forgotten factor, i guess for hbo and they're not really going to be able to capitalize on a lot of it but again like i don't expect people who aren't Bengals fans to feel this way but this is, this is just kind of the fair warning for now for, for in two months when it first goes there.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Hunter Renfro might be a guy that, that ends up being an entertaining guy to, to watch on that team. Just, uh, you know, in the preseason games and kind of that, the Charlie hustle type of guy, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you this before we get out of here, John. Um, do you buy into the, you know, there, there's a stigma with it, with going on this program, you know, the distraction of all the cameras and the the spotlights um, you know, the potential of other teams grasping, getting a grasp on what you're trying to do, some of the, you know, insight into meeting rooms and all that kind of stuff. Or is that just, Hey, I mean, uh, it is what it is today because you know, social media and NFL network doing, you know, the mic'd up stuff. uh, it's just kind of part and parcel of the thing. And really in the preseason, you're not showing that much anyway. Well,
2: that, that, that is definitely interesting because, but Monty Jones literally today, I think said it best. John Gruden didn't want to be on hard knocks, but he loves being on camera. So like (laughs) (laughs) like how how he handles like, you know, creating unawarely a product for people on HBO and also you know, being more reserved than we're used to seeing him when he's mic'd up and on camera, that's definitely going to be something interesting to watch because, like, the the Raiders are kind of in a similar position to the Bengals where they're definitely not favored in their their division and they definitely have an interesting cast of characters, a lot more than the Bengals. So, you know, how he handles, you know, being more reserved and just being who he is, and who he, who he's always been just a very personable guy, of, of, a very energetic guy. He's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. But yeah, I, I think I think Mayock is gonna try to try to re- reel him back from from going full QB camp on, on us. But it, 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 if it all falls apart, it'll it'll be even better television to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I think also uh, I mean it, his brother when he was at the Bengals was pretty entertaining on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he didn't he didn't play. Huge Don't touch role. the merchandise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't he wasn't. Uh, you know, terrible to watch. So, you know, and his brother has probably even a a bigger personality than Jay did. So um, it'll be interesting. And, um, you know, uh, I I kind of, I guess I'm old school and I think it, it it kind of provides more of a distraction than, than might be needed, but I, I think, I think also you, you can do it if you really trust, the locker room and if you're a top-notch organization and you've had success before I, I think you know if you've managed that and know how to handle that kind of stuff i think then you know it makes a little more sense but um i mean really over the past handful of years you've had the Bengals twice you've had the raiders and you've had the browns um not necessarily yeah. the the beacon of recent nfl success but yeah uh or or quality management, but what are you going to do?
2: Jeff, 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 Jeff Fisher Rams as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. The Jeff Fisher Rams. (laughs) Well, hopefully uh, uh, you all enjoy hard knocks. The Bengals will not be on it, but uh, you'll see some familiar faces both from the Bengals and from within the division. That's going to, that's going to do it for us tonight. I believe uh, John, any any final thoughts before we get out of here and uh, tee up for tomorrow's listener questions segment?
2: I do not. I th- I thought I did coming in, but I really do not. But just
1: you're in party planning s- mode.
2: Yeah, just keep sending us in questions. If we don't get to them tomorrow, I'm I'm sure we we will try to answer them in, into a future one, or maybe maybe one of us running the account will actually add you back. So d- d- definitely keep sending us in. Questions, we're always interested in, in more various questions that you have, so don't be shy.
1: Yeah, and uh, to that point, too. Um, I mean, obviously, it makes the most sense to send them in tomorrow as you tune in live with us. But, um, if you're if for some reason you know you're not able to get to any of that stuff to reach us, um, you can uh, send it to us, you know, throughout the week. We also, if we can't get to them on the air. Uh, we do try to get to some of those in a, in a mailbag segment on Cincy Jungle too. So, uh, you know, if, if you do join us and you submit a question, we didn't get to it. Keep it at CincyJungle.com. Speaking of CincyJungle.com, that is where this podcast is housed and you can get all the content as well as on our channels in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, and of course, YouTube. Subscribe to those channels. That way you get uh, our... Our feeds and everything gets updated. You get shot all the up to date material. We're putting out more and more. Um, aside from our standard weekly show, we're going to be putting out a lot more. So um, tune tune in to our weekly show if you're able to live. Tune in to our listener question show tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. That would be Thursday, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Otherwise, we will we'll see you when we see you. We'll see you when we see you, and. um, Let's hope for a little more positive news on the injury front for the Cincinnati Bengals going forward.
0: We'll see you next time.